All right, welcome to Live and Die Sports Pod. I'm your host, Camden, joined today by two of the contributors from the site, Nick and Luke. Great to have y'all, boys. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to walk you through a pretty busy weekend of sports this weekend, starting with college football and the big game that I think everyone had circled going into Saturday, Notre Dame-Clemson, a game with massive playoff implications. Notre Dame obviously pulled that one out in overtime, and uh, it was a very interesting game and sets, sets up an interesting scenario as we go toward the playoff, as we look toward the committee releasing their first rankings. Nick, what did you think of that game? I was very surprised they finally did it. Notre Dame is finally that was like the one last step that they, they haven't been able to beat the big team. Notably last time they played Clemson in the playoff, they got the doors blown off of them, but just going back to even 2012 and they got blown out by Alabama in the title game. That was, that team was much better than the current team, but this year they actually finally took the big step. Will they be able to do this step again? Cause they do have to play in the ACC championship if they are to win out presumably. Um, but it was good to see them. Good to see them finally do it. Even though I'm a bit of a Notre Dame hater, it, it's good to see them actually win it for once. Felt felt good. Yeah, they get over that hump. You know, um, I thought I thought it was interesting. I was expecting the you know obviously Clemson missing star quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Thought that would play a big factor. And while Notre Dame did win, I uh, I'm not sure that having Trevor Lawrence makes that big of a difference for Clemson. It was it was a shootout. It was a high scoring game. And I thought that the freshman quarterback did a great job for Clemson. Threw for more than 300 yards. Looked pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see if Trevor Lawrence is back for the conference championship game. If that changes anything. If that you know, I thought Ian Book was the weak link. I've talked about it before. I, I have no confidence in Ian Book. I've, I thought he, he was bad. But time and time again on Saturday, he made he made big throws. He was pushing the ball down the field. And once they started to push the ball down the field, then they started to run the ball. And I think the most surprising thing for me was I really felt like Notre Dame controlled the trenches on both sides, which is not something I've seen anyone do to Clemson in recent history. So I think it was a super encouraging sign if you're a Notre Dame fan. I think um, it kind of, you know, that combined with Florida beating Georgia this weekend, I think there was this perception that it was the big three and then everybody else, you know, it was Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and then everything else fell off a cliff. And I think we saw that's not the case. I think we saw that there are maybe six, seven teams that have a chance to make some noise in the playoff, especially in this weird year. Um, Speaking of that Florida over Georgia game, you know, world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville. And it was, um, it was one-sided. It, it, it had a little bit of twists and turns. Uh, Georgia came out, and threw some punches early, but once Florida weathered that first storm, Kyle Trask and that offense made a Georgia defense that we've heard so much about look pretty pedestrian. Um, I think Kyle Trask should be a Heisman front runner. Um, what what more can he do? You know, they have one loss, and in that loss, he looks fantastic. Uh, they obviously lost Kyle Pitts on that huge hit. If you were looking for a game to convince you to not let your kids play football, this was the game. You had. Uh, Georgia wide receiver getting his leg snapped horrifically, which CBS then showed us 500 times on replay. And then you had one of the more violent collisions I've seen in recent memory over the middle of the field where, I mean, the, the Georgia defensive back was completely unconscious. Kyle Pitts gets knocked out for the game. The Georgia defensive back then regains consciousness and finds out that he's being kicked out for targeting. Uh, did either of y'all get eyes on that game? 
The only eyes I had on it was um, how much of a stinker it was for my bet. You know, I had a nice under 53 on it, and that was over by about midway through the second quarter. Um, but I was busy watching the Longhorns play in a gross game. Did not care about the cocktail party. Yeah, I had I had this game on, on my side TV with the, the Texas game on the big TV because, you know, there's nothing I love more than watching Texas lose. Um but unfortunately, they did not lose. Uh, well, unfortunately, no, for me, no. I guess. Fortunately for Texas, they did not lose. But fortunately for me and my picks, they did. Uh, West Virginia did cover, which is you know that's what we care about. Um, I don't know. I I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this game. I think there were some encouraging signs. I think uh, you know for a Texas defense that has taken taken a lot of criticism. It's a positive sign to only give up 13 points, but for an offense that, um, you know, has, has a lot of talent, has, has a senior quarterback, and uh, has a lot of things going for it, I was a little disappointed in how the Texas offense looked. What, what were your thoughts on that game? Well, there's a wonderful blog on the site about a bit of a recap for this. If you're listening, maybe give it a read. Um, but yeah, it was great defensively. Uh, coming off a big performance last week, they did give up over 500 yards last week. Not great, but you had four turnovers, key sacks when it mattered. So it really looked like they finally have begun to, you know, turn the corner. And then this game, they showed out. It's like, hey, I mean, West Virginia is not an elite team, but they were there to play. I think they gave up about 360 yards. Pretty, pretty big improvement off of what we saw early in the season, uh, namely giving up what 56 to Tech and then a lot of points and yards to OU. So it looks like they've turned the corner, but at the same time, the offense has completely gone backwards into oblivion. Um, without Bajon Robinson, I don't think we would have scored at all. Um, that's, a, that's a bright spot, Bajon. Yeah. I mean, he's a freshman. Oh, yeah. he, looked, he looked really good. Uh, looks like maybe maybe he takes up that mantle. I know people have been wanting to see that from Keontae Ingram for what feels like two years now but it feels like he, he might not ever be the guy. And Bijan looked like, I mean, if there's anybody that's built to be an every down running back, it's Bijan Robinson. I mean, that guy is a load to tackle. Uh, one of the stiff arms he put on a West Virginia defender was absolutely brutal on that beautiful long run that he had. Um, I will say the one thing with the Texas defense that I'm interested to see, I think anyone who watched that game looked at West Virginia's quarterback and said, that guy stinks. So I'm interested to see if Texas can continue to be good defensively against people that actually have a downfield threat. You know, there wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of concern about the long. Who do we pass. have left that has a downfield threat? We got both Kansases and then Iowa State. So I guess Brock Purdy. But other than that, yeah, uh, Brock Purdy. It looks like their hardest tests are behind them. But assuming, I mean, I think I think the goal for Texas at this point is is making the Big Twelve championship, and mm-hmm. that would probably match them up with either Oklahoma State or Oklahoma both teams that have that downfield passing threat, both teams that gave Texas, you know, some problems. Um, so I think it's interesting to see if that's, if that's more of a flash in the pan, if that's a matchup thing, or if that's, um, you know, actually Texas making some strides in their first year under Chris Ash. Um, I guess first, I just want to give a shout out to Joseph Asai from the nine, three, six shout out to him. He looks like an absolute monster. Um, and there's a couple other guys in that in that Texas defense that I thought really flashed, um, especially at linebacker and you know in in the trenches. I think the secondary is still weak, which is weird. But um, DBU. I, I think there's a lot of good signs to take away from 
this this game for Texas on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and West Virginia, their defense is, is solid. So let's not let's not give Texas too much uh, trouble for struggling a little bit on offense. I think this is a good win. I really thought that this was a letdown opportunity. It felt like a Tom Herman special where you beat Oklahoma State in an emotional game and you lose to a bad team the next week. And they avoided that. They're five and two. That's, you know, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily where they wanted to be, but it's also not the worst place in the world. And they're firmly in that hunt for the Big 12 championship. Uh, moving away from a team I love to see lose to the team that I love to see win, uh, Texas A&M absolutely dominated the Gamecocks. Luke, I know you watched that game. I definitely uh, did. That was a crockpotting of unbelievable proportion, ran the ball pass the ball shut them down on defense if it wasn't for a must champ pity field goal at the end which by the way if you kick a field goal when you're down well what was he down at the time 41 to nothing like what what the hell is that yeah that's that what ruin the shutout no fun whatsoever um but a&m looked really really good they looked good in all facets um you know you even had a little garbage time touchdown there Freshman quarterback Haynes King comes in. They run the ball down the field with backup offensive linemen, backup running backs, backup wide receivers, and then throw a 42-yard touchdown, an absolute strike from Haynes King to a converted defensive end now playing tight end and Max Wright to really cap it off. And um, I don't know. There's really nothing else that could have gone right for A&M in that game. Um, I think I, besides Seth Small missing that one extra point, I guess that was the one thing that went poorly but you know defense created turnovers was getting sacks was stopping what was a pretty good south carolina rush attack um it was just pretty clear and i think for the maybe not the first time but the first time against what would be considered you know a semi-quality opponent in the jimbo fisher era that a&m looked like they outclassed the other team in every position and i think that's really encouraging if a&m wants to be in that top tier of the sec you know, that's the way you should look against South Carolina. That's the way you should look against, you know, Vanderbilt, if we could do that game over again. Um, so I, I thought that was super encouraging. Um, and as we move on, you know, obviously A&M still, you know, maybe on the outside a little bit because of that Notre Dame result, but still still looking at that playoff race, you know, intently. And if anybody trips up down the stretch, I think a and going to be right there to, uh, to slide in there. Um, from, from a team where everything seems like it's going pretty right to a team where everything seems like it's going terribly, terribly wrong, we move north to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines get beat by Indiana, and it, the game never really even felt like it was in question. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. throws for 350 yards. The defense looks absolutely awful, which is – Maybe the most uncharacteristic thing about this team, uh, the secondary, there's no pass rush. Don Brown's on the hot seat. Um, and the offense is, is a Michigan offense. Joe Milton makes some amazing throws, but he also makes some plays that make you scratch your head. And I, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here because looking at their schedule, is there a game that they win down the stretch for sure? I mean, I guess if they get Rutgers, that's pretty much an automatic win for everybody. But they lost to Michigan State, who lost to Rutgers. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think that Michigan will fire Jim Harbaugh this year. I think that the pandemic 
and everything going on around the country makes it where this is not the year to fire your head coach because there's just too much too much going on too many outside factors but I think there is a point where he has to be and I'm not sure that that isn't going to happen for Michigan I'm not sure I mean if they go what three and five two and six how do you I think, how do you keep I think they can pull out I mean two more wins against Rutgers and Maryland I think this season against I mean, we'll get to Maryland we'll get to Maryland I think they should be absolutely terrified of the Terrapins Nick knows something about that horrible uh, memories but <laughs> I their game Saturday against Wisconsin Wisconsin's coming off a lot of COVID I would not count that as an automatic loss for uh, Michigan you don't know exactly who's gonna play I mean I don't keep up with Wisconsin religiously um is grammar is gonna play because I know he had COVID I don't know I don't think I don't think we have any initial announcement on that Um, I think for big 12 it's a 21 day 21 days yeah so I'm not sure if he's going to play or not yeah so it'll be interesting they do I mean I think they have their second string would be back because their second string was out, and that was one of the reasons that they were canceling it, because they are going to be playing like a four-string quarterback. So maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I if you're a better out there, I would stay away from that game at all costs unless you're just feeling Michigan. Um, but I don't know it's, how on – It's I don't kind know of a must-win game Michigan. for them. If you I just don't know a, how you could be feeling them. If you lose to a, like, COVID-riddled Wisconsin team, as Jim Harbaugh, you have to – you're starting to sweat – like no, you can't, you just can't lose to a team that has like they had what like 20 22 players confirmed and then arguably their best player who's probably not going to play so if you lose to them it it's starting to look a little dicey and even beyond the personnel issues you also have the fact that they haven't been practicing you can't practice whenever you're shutting down a yeah. team like this so they're for all intents and purposes they're still in june they're still in july they're still doing non-contact things I mean, how did how did if I told you a team hadn't tackled in two weeks during the regular season, I think you'd pour money on the other side. But to pour money on the other side, you have to pour money on a Michigan team that doesn't look like you could beat anybody right now. And you know, coming back to that Terrapins, you know, Maryland, I do think that that is a potential place where Michigan gets a win because, like like Texas in the Big Twelve, whenever they were struggling, um, every time Michigan, chance. every time Michigan is on the field with the exception of Ohio state and maybe Wisconsin, they have more talent on paper. They, there are always, I mean, there's four or five stars up and down the roster, which is one of the reasons that them struggling is very confusing. So like they should beat Maryland, but I, I wouldn't pick them in that game, depending on the spread. If, if Maryland's getting any points, I'm taking Maryland with the points. I feel like Michigan has actually gotten a lot worse at recruiting. They've kind of dropped off talent-wise as other Big Ten schools are getting four or five-star players over Michigan. And it's also using those players. Like, I mean, like you look at a guy a guy that's left now, but while he was in Michigan, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he came into Michigan with all the fanfare that a player could have. I mean, he was the Michigan player of the year. He, you know, was looking like the next big thing in wide receiver. And then he had three underwhelming years and now he's in the NFL and he looks good. And so I think, you know, you see Purdue gets one five-star in Rondell Moore and makes him a star, you know, uh, Maryland, they have a couple of 
five-star wide receivers that they pulled away from bigger programs, and those receivers are dominant for them. But for some reason, when highly talented players go to Michigan, they don't stand out the way that they do in other places. I think some of that scheme, I think some of that's Jim Harbaugh's an old school guy, but that is something that has to be addressed. Um, we can segue over to the Maryland team that we're talking about. That Maryland team put it on Penn State. Just, I mean, Tagovailoa was throwing the ball all over the field. Penn State came out with one of the more confusing game plans I've ever seen, which was let's let Sean Clifford throw the ball 50 times, which is just baffling. Um, and that's just, it's another example, in, you know, Penn State, Michigan, Texas, uh, UCLA. You look all over the country, you've got teams that are historically pretty good, that have coaches that we all thought were solid coaches. And all of those coaches have significant questions about whether they can continue to lead their programs. You know, James Franklin at Penn State, you can't lose to Maryland. And I think if, I mean, that's what, they're one and two now. They've lost to Maryland and Indiana. I mean, how how could his seat not be hot? And I think that that's something to keep watching, you know, as we go through this year. Um, Maryland looks really good. Um, you know, the younger tag of Iloa, Looks looks like he actually has some really good potential. Uh, like I said, they've got two two good wide receivers on the outside that are cutting people up. The defense is a little spotty, but there's I mean there's not a whole lot of great offense in the Big Ten, so I think that you can overcome that. Um, Maryland maybe maybe they're, they're a team that can actually make some noise. I didn't have any confidence after in them after the first week, but these last two weeks have looked really really good, and they're playing that modern style, you know that that air it out cut you up with long passes with you know creative play calling that I think I mean name a good team that doesn't have that right now and you can't I mean even Alabama even Notre Dame I mean these are teams that we normally think of as these traditional offenses that are changing it up and being more creative because I think that's what you have to do in modern football and people like admit you know Jim Harbaugh of Michigan are lagging behind the times adapt or die I mean, that's what you can't like Nick Saban should be everyone's, you know, role model, obviously, because he's the best that's ever done it. And if Nick Saban, the oldest, most curmudgeonly man we can all think of, is willing to completely change the way he runs offense because he realizes that that's what it takes to win. How can you not agree with that? And um, so I think I think that's something that's exciting, though. I think it's exciting to see this air, you know, not necessarily air raid, but this kind of air it out style that was derided for so many years come to the forefront and start being the main weapon for really good teams. When you have five star talent, if you can spread it out and get those people the ball in space, you're going to win. And I think that's something that every team in the country should be doing. And, you know, maybe the exception is Wisconsin because you know, they're just going to have corn-fed giant white boys on the offensive line. And a but great now they have Graham Mertz, who can do that. True. Yeah. So, so that would be exciting to see how Wisconsin's going to play it out the rest of the season and Graham Mertz's college career. I, I'm interested to see if it's more of a let him be, you know, the the star quarterback in your pro-style offense where he's hanging the ball off, he's running play action, or if they say this is the strength of our team and put the ball in his hands a little bit more. Um, moving on from that Maryland win over Penn State, you know, the Pac-12 started play. There was some very interesting games. USC pulled out a nail-biter against Arizona State in a game that started at 9 a.m. local time. 
they had, you know, a tip pass caught in the end zone, an onside, and then another touchdown in the last minute 40 of the game. It was very crazy. Herm Edwards gets his heart broken. Um, it's, um, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a great team in the Pac-12. I think that USC is mediocre. I think that um, there are a lot of teams that have a lot of big question marks. UCLA is really bad, but Oregon's the only one that um, that ha- looks like it has a chance to make any noise on a national scale. I don't know. I don't think there's going to be a playoff contender from the Pac-12, and so for that reason, I'm a little bit uninterested in what goes on over there. But um, I do think that Oregon has a chance – if there are other trip ups with other teams, but I don't think they're going to have that marquee win at the end of the year to get them into that playoff conversation. So I do think the PAC 12 is going to be left out. Um, speaking of formerly good coaches that are now terrible, Chip Kelly, uh, his team got the doors blown off of it by a bad Colorado team that has a converted safety playing quarterback. Um, I don't know. I think, I think the writing's on the wall there. I think it's, you have to realize that he's, he's a, Obviously, I think the game has passed him by. There, if you look at the recruiting rankings, it's like 50th this year. They were 33rd last year and 40, uh, like 43rd the year before, and that's just not going to compete. And now that everyone is running the same scheme as him, I just think he's been passed by. And I think that it UCLA needs to move on um, if it's going to have any success. Um, yeah, and I then mean, he did. He did like change the entire like style like if you look if you go back to like 2010 early 2010s Oregon and now look at everyone else it's like well this is exactly what he did but now it's like we know how to actually defend against this it also helped that he had like one of the quickest humans I've ever seen um playing for him so that was a bit of a great success. a great quarterback you know yeah so, you know and great talent on the outside and I think part of the reason he had that talent is because people saw his system and said okay like I want to go play there, but now he doesn't have that draw. UCLA has issues, um, and and honestly, it seems like he's a little checked out. It seems like he's just kind of I don't know. For all intents and purposes, using it as a retirement gig. I just don't see how you can recruit that poorly at UCLA. I mean, especially well, it's just in Los Angeles. Like what it, the fuck? Like, yeah, it's a blue blood in a beautiful city with you know all of the things around it that you could want. Lots and, of talent surrounding it, too. Yeah, and, I mean, it's California. It's probably, what, the third best football state in the country? Great breeding. So, I mean, I get, like, A&M's in the SEC. That's a different draw. But, it, like, Jimbo is telling people to come to College Station. How exactly, are you going to have yeah. trouble to get people to come to Los Angeles where you can exactly. go surfing on your, like, bye week? And it's, it's like, and it's a great university as well. So, it's like. Yeah, great. I mean, no disrespect to A&M, but, like, if I'm a recruit, it's A&M in the middle of Texas or LA. Like, why would you not go to LA? No, yeah. Other than I, like the team I, sucks. Um, and then my favorite game of the week this week, uh, or my favorite result, I guess I should say, because I didn't didn't really enjoy the game that much. But uh, Liberty beating Virginia Tech. Hugh Freeze claims his second ACC scalp. He uh he is a demon. I don't know why on earth you would want to schedule that team. There's no upside. You have to play a coach 
who has out-schemed Nick Saban multiple times in his career. And there, if you beat them, you beat Liberty. And if you lost, you lost to Liberty. So It's like the Texas-BYU matches of yesteryears. It's like there was no, no upside. Another, and we still lost. Another coach that was formerly you know, sought after that now I don't think anyone has any interest Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech, you know, he was at one time before uh, Jimbo Fisher became, you know, the clear front one runner for a and um, He was thought to be, you know, one of the big, uh, you know, candidates for that A&M job. And I, I would have been happy with that. I thought he's, I think he's a good coach or I thought he was at the time, but with the things like he got out coached by Hugh Freeze and then the all time terrible look of, Icing your kicker right before you block the kick and giving them another chance at it. And then they come back and make the field goal on the second try. And I, I don't know. It was just a very, very bad look for uh, for Justin Fuente, for Virginia Tech, for the ACC in general, now losing two games to Hugh Freeze. And he still got a couple of Power 5 matchups down the stretch I wouldn't be surprised to see him win one or two of those. And I don't know. Liberty is is ranked now. Liberty is in its second year at the FBS level, and it's ranked. And so, you know, I think we're all aware of the issues that Hugh Freeze has had in the past. But I don't see how you could not be impressed with the job that he's doing at Liberty. I mean, it's just the revenge tour. Do you get kicked out of your, like, power five job? And then you got to go to Liberty. It's like, you know what? I'm going off. And then, I mean, if they go undefeated, like, what do we do? If they're sitting at the end of the season undefeated, having beat all these power five opponents, like, what what's going to happen? Are, are we going to disrespect them? Because, like, I mean, they if they they need to go, like, BCS era and just blow everyone out. Yeah, but even – well, I, I do think if you're looking at – if you were looking at just a record of wins and losses – if they go undefeated, they're going to have probably the best resume of any of those teams that are on the outside looking in. I think, you know, when it comes to quality, if you want to talk quality of wins as far as, you know, the actual wins that they have over, like, good teams, it's a little different. But, and, like, some of the games they've won have been a little close. But if you're just looking at wins and losses, they have a very, very strong uh, you know, argument for being that best team that's not in the Power Five. You know, because BYU, they beat uh, Boise State convincingly this week, and that is that was a big win, not only to win it but to win it convincingly and look like the better team. But uh, they, besides that, there's not a whole lot left, and that's not necessarily their fault. They're an independent, and this is a weird year. But I do think that there is an element of you know with Liberty, Cincinnati and BYU, those are three teams. I think as they all go undefeated, it almost cancels each other out because there's not that one clear, you know, group of five option. And instead, I think we'll see, I mean, with Florida beating Georgia, I would be shocked if any of these teams that are on the outside of the Power Five looking in actually make it in to the college football playoff. Well, I think Cincinnati ruined their chances on Saturday when they put up that dud against UH, they should have hung 70 on them. Like, UH is one of the worst defenses in the country. And, I mean, they scored 38, which is fine, but you could have easily ran up the score with the talent they have and how well they've been playing. So, 
it was a bad look. They're still a great team, but it was, you know, maybe I'm just a little overly angry because I bet the over, but, you know, they should have scored a lot more. They should have been a lot more convincing in that win against a terrible Houston team. We just want to take a quick break to thank you for listening to the Live and Die Sports Pod. If you enjoy the content that you find here, you can find us on Twitter at Live and Die Sports Blog and on our website, liveanddiesports.com. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the episode. All right, looking at the NFL last week, there were some interesting games around the league. It was a little bit of a thin slate, um, but. There were some interesting games that were interesting, despite the fact that I had no, I didn't even think about them going in. Uh, we'll start with uh, Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins defeating what I thought was a really solid football team in the Arizona Cardinals. Um, the defense for the Dolphins looks really good. They're creating turnovers. They're making it easy on their young quarterback. Um, they had, I think, a couple of defensive touchdowns. They had a defensive touchdown last week. And just made it, you know, a little bit easier on that Miami Dolphins offense that, you know, is probably a little thin when it comes to premier talent. Um, the Bills, the Bills are real, Nick. I've been waiting for this one because they have been struggling. Is Nick not and a was, Bill believer. No, he. Well, is. I've just been pointing out they've been struggling, and they need to they need a marquee win to get back on track. And okay. boy, oh boy, did they have it. Josh Allen had the game of his life. Outplayed Russell Wilson. Yeah. By a considerable amount. It wasn't like a slight outplay. Like he was taking Russell Wilson around the woodshed. I mean, I don't have his exact stats pulled up, but he was, I think he was like 31 for 38, something along those lines. He was slinging all over the place. Um, I mean, Russell Wilson isn't going to go down without a fight. They can make a bit of a comeback, but this was, the Bills are, Bills are for real. I mean, welcome to 2020. The Bills are the best team in the AFC East. If if nothing else is weird enough for you, that should do it. Um, you know, moving down to another division game, the Saints beating the brakes off the Buccaneers. Speaking of sad field goals, they got that last-minute little sad field goal, something I never thought I'd see out of a team led by Tom Brady. W. Uh, yeah, Jameis Winston ate a W. Uh, during Drew Brees' post-game interview, it was it was a complete performance by the by the uh, the Saints. Uh, I wasn't a Saints believer coming into this year. I thought Drew Brees was washed, and every time I think that, he seems to prove me wrong, which is pretty annoying. But then when uh, you stop thinking it, it'll be like, oh yeah, exactly. to throw more than exactly. twenty-five yards. It, whatever you think Drew Brees is, he's going to prove you wrong. But uh, they they look really good, and you know Alvin Kamara is a monster. The the defense for the Saints, I think, was the thing I was most most impressed by because that Bucks offense is loaded with talent, and they did a really good – I mean, they, I guess they gave up three points, but for all intents and purposes, shut them out. Um, and, and Tom Brady didn't look great. Tom Brady did not look great at all. Uh, the Tampa Bay experiment has been a little rocky so far. We'll see if they can turn it on toward the end of the year, I guess. Um, and with that expanded playoff format, you know, if they get in – I think everyone's always afraid of Tom Brady when it comes to the playoffs, but uh, definitely some some question marks around Bruce Arians and that Tampa Bay team. Uh, the Texans beat the Jags in another division matchup. Uh, God, that game was terrible. Um, they almost they almost found a way to lose to a first a first time starting quarterback. 
but they end up pulling out that victory. I don't know how much it matters. I guess if, if you're looking for morale, I guess, you know, the Texans don't really have any incentive to tank because they don't have any draft picks. So get some wins, get the fans excited, keep Deshaun Watson happy. Uh, but the Jags, you know, they, they probably weren't too sad to lose either because I think they're going to want to be in on that Trevor Lawrence, you know, Justin Fields sweepstakes when the draft comes around. Uh, I think the Cowboys, only person that, other than the fans, is paying attention to us are the Dolphins because they have our pick. They were the number one Jags fans on Sunday, but there that goes. So then the Dolphins, who actually look very good, are going to get a top 10 pick from us. So that'll be fun. I mean, Larry Tunsil is good, so I don't think it was that bad of a trade, but here we are. Um, yeah, we should have picked Luton off like four times, and I think we got one, but, you know, welcome to the Zans. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's just not a whole lot to say about that that game. There's It's two bad teams. One of them had to win. So. I watched that game, but I also didn't. Like, I don't remember most of it because it was that bad, even though I watched the entirety of the game. Uh, the Cowboys against the Steelers, the undefeated Steelers against the putrid Cowboys. I don't even know what to say other than that Texas legend, Garrett Gilbert, looks like he's a better option than anybody else as far as backups go. He looked, he looked pretty okay against the Steelers defense. is pretty scary. Um you know, I'm not going to say that the refs, the refs wanted the Steelers to win. I'm not going to say it. I could, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say Very it. Big Goodell, if you're listening, I'm not saying it. He's on record not saying it. Not saying it. But there were some questionable calls uh, down the stretch. But, I mean, honestly, if you're the Cowboys, lo- again, losing is not the worst thing because I think we want that high draft pick. And what is getting into the playoffs other than just, you know, a ticket to get you know, destroyed by an actually good team. I really get the high draft pick, but it was think they're going to draft. I, I'd love to see them take Patrick Sertain from, from Alabama. We need secondary help. We need a good corner and he's legit. Um, but honestly, anything we could get, we, any, anybody in the top 10, we'd be happy to have. We need talent at a number of positions as, as every team that has the kind of records the Cowboys do, you know, they need that kind of talent. So, I it sucks like get. what we don't need is a quarterback. I think that's a great position to be in in this draft. It looks like with how good he is, Joseph Osai is like the one thing you don't really need that much, and that's like a legitimate person you could take at the like potential position you'll be at. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of good players there. And with, with so many of those top teams probably looking to take a quarterback, there's going to be a high value at 7-8 for those non-quarterback positions. You know, those the secondary players maybe help along the offensive line. Maybe, you know, I, we don't need anything as far as offensive weapons goes, I don't think. Um, maybe Kyle Pitts. That would be a guy I would love to see the Cowboys take a look at. You know, we've got Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. And as much as the Cowboys love having white, slow tight ends, uh, I do think that if you add Kyle Pitts to that offense, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, Amari Cooper, CQ Elliott, Dak Prescott, Kyle Pitts, that terrifies a lot of teams if the offensive line is healthy. Uh, but, again, I think the defense needs help, and I think that's what they'll prioritize. Uh, but that's enough up, about the Cowboys. Uh, Caden Stearns or B.J. Foster in the late rounds. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll we'll end with the Patriots winning what felt like two teams trying desperately to lose. 
in the Patriots against the Jets. The Jets maintain their spot at the front of the line for Trevor Lawrence, uh, much to probably Trevor Lawrence's chagrin. But uh, the Patriots get that win. I guess that was good. Cam looked good at the end there. He's making plays. Um, but God, it, it is so strange to watch a Patriot, you know, the Patriots be in a close game with a bad, bad, bad Jets team. It's very strange. All right. So moving on from the NFL, uh, let's move right in. Luke, this is your time to shine. Let's let, let's talk some soccer. Okay. Talking soccer. We will start with the English Premier League. The best league. Yes. Sadly. Much better than that scrub of a league in Germany. Okay. Okay. There's no need for that. For those listening, I am a Bundesliga boy. My favorite team is Bayern Munich. But we're going to focus on the Premier League right now. And at the top of the table, we have Leicester City with 18 points. Everyone's favorite Cinderella story. That's current top of the table. Let's not forget who was on top of the table from Friday and Saturday afternoon. Yes, Knicks Southampton led the table for around 24 hours. I would love to see the numbers on on payroll for the for Southampton. It's about versus, forty million. <laughs> versus versus Chelsea versus Man City versus Chelsea Man City versus about, Liverpool. They yeah. spend, Chelsea spends about three times as much of it as we do, but we tied them when we played them, so that was fun. You love to see that. Yeah, it's a weird looking table right now. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Mourinho's Tottenham though at second. That, They're you, looking good. You know I love I love me some hot spurs. Uh, Gareth Bale scored in his debut. That was nice. Yes. Uh, nice yes. little header. Um, yeah, Ta- Hyung, Tottenham looks good. Hyungmin Son looking amazing. As always. Yes. South Korea's favorite son. Four of the last five. Four wins and a draw. Danny Ings, great striker for Southampton. Going to be out until mid-December with a bit of a leg injury. That's definitely going to propel them lower into the table. Hate to see that, but... I believe he has five goals and two assists in seven matches. You know, not not saying best player in the prim, hey, but perhaps I am. Nothing to scoff at, that's for sure. And the man with the best name, maybe ever, uh, the manager for Manchester United, old Gunnar Solskjaer. Yes, uh, his seat's getting warm. I would guess he's they're yes. they're way down that table. Yes, Trashford is 14th placed Manchester United. I think the board has to start looking for candidates to replace old Gunner, who is not at the wheel anymore. It's it's scary. I I don't know. Manchester United seems like they've been rotating through coaches and can't find anything that works lately. Um, I don't know. I it's hard it's hard to imagine having that much money, having that much influence. And, and not being able to compete, you know, consistently in the Premier League. Um, but I think I think there's a, there's several teams that are like that, you know, this in this weird pandemic season. Um, if you just look at the table, I mean, Man City's 10th, Arsenal's 11th. And then you've got you've got weird teams at the top. you got Southampton and Leicester, obviously, up there. Um, it, with, how bad, with how bad United has been in the league, they're crushing the Champions League. Crushing. It's like the weirdest thing to see. Oh, yes. They had a really good win against Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, 
One surprise is Aston Villa at six. Not Jack Grealish. Either. Uh, Everton has dropped to seventh, but with James Rodriguez coming back, I think that will bring them back into the top four real soon. And hate to break up the soccer talk, but breaking news, LSU, Bama, and A&M Tennessee have been postponed. You hate to see it. Just, you know, maybe this is my battered Aggie syndrome talking, but every time something goes right, it all goes wrong. And and right now everything was going right. So, of course, you know, the one everything thing that could wrong. stop it had to stop it. Um, but, you know, there's, there's those open dates at the end of the year in the SEC. They were smart about that. They knew that this was possible. And, and I think that game will get made up. Alabama-LSU, on the other hand, I don't know. I think LSU is kind of checked out on this season. Um, you know, there's reports that the players are going out, ignoring, you know, coaches' directions about social distancing, ignoring their directions about, you know, how they want them to behave in order to minimize that COVID risk. So I wouldn't be surprised if LSU doesn't play again this year. Um, so in other news – college students are college students is what you have just described well i mean it it, it makes sense right uh, if you if you're a college student and and you play for alabama yeah i'll i'll do whatever nick saban says because i'm gonna go get that national championship ring and then i'm gonna go play in the nfl but if i'm playing at lsu and we're obviously underperforming no matter what lsu does for the rest of this year this season's a disappointment you know and they were Alabama was 28 point favorites on the road at LSU this week. That's not something that the Tigers, you know, are going to take sitting down that, that kind of blowout potential. So I I don't think it's surprising. I think college students, like you said, are college students. And I think when, when you're in this tough position, when you're in this tough season, it's hard to get people to listen and make the sacrifices that they need to make to make it work when you're not winning. And, and LSU hasn't been winning. They got the doors blown off them by Auburn. And I think that was the, the point at the season where I think a lot of people are just kind of checking out. Um, but hopefully we don't see any, you know, any large numbers of positive tests for AM and they can get back on the field in a couple of weeks. Um, but of course that remains up in the air. Uh, looking at other sports, you know, the NBA announced that they're starting on December 22nd, shortened season. Uh, it's going to be 72 games. I'm super excited. I, I, you know, I love the NBA. I'm excited to see how, you know, our hometown Rockets look with new coach Steven Silas. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, when the draft takes place later, you know, how that shakes out. And, you know, those rookies are going to have about a month to get into training camp to get, you know, acquainted with their teams and get on the court. Uh, I think it's interesting to see. And there's also reports that, you know, star players, I think, I think Jared Dudley was the one that came out and said it, but he said that if they did this early start date, which we've now had confirmed, that he wouldn't be surprised to see players like LeBron not show up for the first month, not show up for the first two months, maybe, because they want that extra time to recover after that, you know, championship run. I don't know. I think the NBA coming back soon is great news for sports fans everywhere. We're going to have an exciting little stretch here. I think Jimmy Butler won't take the time off because he's a man. I mean, yeah. He's already Jimmy, ready for it to start again. Yeah, Jimmy oh, Butler's yeah. probably doing 4 a.m. workouts, you know, wearing cowboy boots or something. I don't know. That dude's a maniac, but I love him. You know, Houston's very own. But, uh, you know, the Miami Heat team, a, a team that's going to have a great chance to, to contend this year. We saw how, how they looked last year. 
And then you've also got, I think the East is super interesting. You got the Nets with a new coach in the Steve Nash uh, with, you know, Kevin Durant should be healthy. Kyrie Irving should be back. They've got a ton of talent up and down that roster. You've got, you know, what what's happening in Milwaukee? Giannis is kind of playing out that contract. And I think that's an interesting storyline. Uh, one thing to add for the Nets, they do have Mike D'Antoni as assistant coach. That's yeah. I'm interested to see how that works. Is it, is it going to be Steve Nash basically running my D'Antoni system and Steve Nash is more of like the in charge of, you know, player interactions, keeping Kevin Durant and Kyrie happy, which is obviously not an easy job given what we know about the personalities of those two guys, or does Steve Nash kind of make his own system and Mike D'Antoni's more there to support him with the experience that Steve Nash doesn't have coaching. I feel like it will be more of the first option. Like, Mike D'Antoni will be running the team kind of from a lesser uh, standpoint. He won't be criticized as much. Steve Nash will cover player relations. That's just my thought, though. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni more doing the X's and O's and, and Steve Nash more being that kind of player coach, you know, kind of, you know, keeping those guys happy, keeping keeping the relationship between – I mean, it's complicated. You know, you've got you got Karis LeVert. You've got guys on that team. Spencer Dinwiddie's probably going to get traded. Um, so – I. There's a lot of things to manage, but Steve Nash is a very smart guy. He knows what it's like to deal with, you know, some interesting personalities. He's played, you know, he played for like 20 years. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. So if there's anybody that Kyrie Irving should be willing to listen to is Steve Nash, but I also never am going to take uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, cooperating for granted. Um, I hope Steve Nash tells KD to shave his head. That was a horrible visual. Uh, there's no before. chance that his hair is going to be like that start of the season no yeah, yeah. i mean call, after that goes viral you have to you got to shave it off he'll call uh he'll call lebron's hair plug guy and and they'll get that set up um, yeah, we'll just have that empty donut on the back of his head like usual it's real bad real bad um anything any other nba thoughts um Kyle Kuzma and Puma announced a release of a Kyle Kuzma signature shoe. It looks awful. If it looks you buy, like- be surprised. I, I'm gonna make. I'm just gonna make a, a prohibitive statement here, and I hope this doesn't offend. Actually, I don't care if this offends you. I'm glad it did. If you buy Kyle Kuzma's signature shoe, I hate you. Uh, I was we thinking would, about buying it for the meme of it. I mean, that's different. But if you legitimately look at that. If you look at Kyle Kuzma's signature shoe and think, God, I want to be like the Kuz, I hate you. And I just I just want to put that out there. Please don't approach me in any public setting because I, I will have no part of it. Especially if you're wearing the Kuz the at the time. Uh, another guy that could right? I mean, could be could be on the way to Oklahoma City. Could be we could see a little banana boat reunion in, in LA with Chris Chris Paul. Maybe Carmelo finds his way there as well. I've, I feel like that rumor comes up every offseason, uh, but this time it actually seems like it might be doable because it does seem like Oklahoma City would want to sell on Chris Paul while they still can coming off of that great season. Um, and obviously, I think, you know, the Lakers looked good last year. They, they won the championship, but I don't think they w- would be opposed to adding another piece. And, and Kuzma, while he has looked good, doesn't look like he's that third guy for that L.A. team. Uh, I've heard rumors that Serge Ibaka is a big target for the Lakers this offseason. Sources, I, trust me, bro. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I would love to see Serge Ibaka 
be a target for the Rockets. I know we don't have a ton of financial flexibility, but he's if we're going to add a big, that's exactly the kind of big that the Rockets need. Somebody that can shoot, somebody with a little playmaking ability, somebody that can be you know that defensive stalwart on that end, but doesn't kill you on the offensive side. Um, but again, I don't know what the financial numbers there are. We've got a new GM, new coach. So, And there's, what, two months until the season starts? Or no, I'm sorry, a, a month and a month and twelve days until the season starts. So what what exactly can can get done in that month and twelve days? It's gonna be a crazy run up to the NBA season, and I'm super excited about that. All right, getting off of the NBA, and we'll look at college football next week. The slate is thin, and as Nick reported just a few minutes ago, it just got thinner uh, with A&M, Tennessee, and Alabama, LSU getting postponed, and Auburn, uh, Mississippi State was already postponed. There are, you know, I think the only real games, the only game with real playoff implications to me this week is Notre Dame against Boston College. Uh, Boston College gave Clemson some issues. And, you know, Notre Dame has been revved up for that Clemson game all year. And so, you know, it's an obvious letdown situation. I think the coach at Boston College is really good, Jeff Hathley. I think he was one of the best hires that we've seen in the last few years. And, um, I think he'll have a good game plan for Notre Dame. Obviously, Brian Kelly is a great coach as well. And I, you know, I would expect him to have the guys ready to go, but this is a letdown situation. And with the fact that the slate is pretty thin, that's a game that I'm going to keep my eyes on on Saturday. Besides that, I mean, Wisconsin, Michigan, if it happens, we discussed that one. That one's interesting just because I don't think anyone has any clue what to expect. We've seen Wisconsin play one game where they looked fantastic and then found out that their whole team has COVID. So I'll be interested to see what goes on in that game if it happens. Uh, Wisconsin is currently four-point favorites, but if I, like I said earlier, if I'm a better, I would stay away from that at all costs unless you, know, you have some information that I don't have. Uh, are there any other games on this slate that y'all are interested in? Uh, I'm looking through it, and it's, it's bad. It's oof. not a single-ranked matchup, right? Correct. Um, I mean, I guess Wake Forest, North Carolina might be an interesting one. I guess if you're a big Mac Brown guy, um, which I am, they beat Duke last week, which is oh. good for him. That's good for him. You know, Ohio State at Maryland. That'll be fun. See how yeah. good Maryland did. They're not going to win, but I think we see win. Maryland turn into a pumpkin this week because yeah. Ohio State's better than them at everything, you know. When you have a yeah. couple of five stars, you can beat bad teams. When you have a couple of five stars and you go against 25 stars, usually doesn't go too great. Luke, any games you're looking at this weekend? From an entertainment standpoint, not really. I mean, or gambling. If you if you see any okay. – Do you see anything wise, where you're – All right. I see some free money here. All right. Number 19, SMU at Tulsa. The money line for SMU is plus 125. Yeah, so if, you, if you're just looking at it to make a little easy money, I, I think that's a safe play. Uh, Tulsa's not scary. The, I believe in the Boosh, you know, another another former Texas quarterback. People are saying he'll be the next Garrett Gilbert. That's a, a high bar, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think that's 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 a good bet. Um, I might look at taking one, that myself. Got one right here. Don't exactly have the line, but East Carolina is playing at Cincinnati. East Carolina has won one game, Cincinnati – are number seven have not lost. Um, don't know what the line is. Take them to blow East Carolina out of the water. It's in Cincinnati. It's a Friday night prime game. 
it's going to be ugly. If you have that little itch on Friday night. I have a hot one right here. Number nine ranked Miami versus Virginia Tech. Money line plus 110. It's free I mean, yeah, money. Even money, even money basically then on that. So, so yeah, if you're, if you're confident in Miami, which it was Miami, right? Yes. The one in Florida. In Miami. <laughs> Not Ohio. They actually played, we're recording this on Tuesday. They played tonight against Akron, I believe. Um, oh, Buffalo. Akron plays Ohio. Apologies. All, all the Mac schools run together for me, but who doesn't love a little midweek match? And, and if you, if, if you're a degenerate, like, like some people on this podcast may, maybe, then, you know, maybe you scratch that itch tonight on a Tuesday, Wednesday, when there's nothing else going on, get yourself a little midweek matching, add a little money to your pocketbook and, and roll into the weekend feeling good. You know, I, I like that Cincinnati pick. I love uh, I love looking at games that are on Thursdays, Fridays, because there's not very many of them, and it can kind of you know add some interest to what are usually some boring weeks. And if you win them, then you're feeling great heading into Saturday for your big slate of picks. If you are a betting man, I um, think the entire MAC plays today, which is Tuesday the tenth and tomorrow, because it looks like we have three games tonight and three games tomorrow. So that would be 12 MAC teams. Are there 12 teams in the MAC, or am I mistaken? I, I think you are correct. So this week is purely MAC no weekend games. Unless oh I'm my mistaken. goodness! If you uh, let's, I, I'm just looking at the lines right now. If you if you like that, if you're listening to this and you thought, hmm, that Miami pick just just really got my attention, which I think that's a great pick from you, Luke. But you're thinking, I don't want, I don't want that money line. You can actually get two and a half points for Miami. Virginia Tech is two and a half point favorites at home. This is a Vatek team that just lost to Liberty. A Miami team that looks pretty good. De'Eric King is explosive. They've got some weapons on that offense. The defense is looking better lately. I, I'll go ahead and make that my Tuesday lockup. I'll take I'll take Miami with the two and a half points over Virginia Tech. I don't I don't think Virginia Tech uh, is going to win that game. I don't even. I don't know. I, I would take Miami if they were favored by anything less than a touchdown. So I, that's an interesting line to me. Maybe Vegas knows something I don't. But uh, the only other the only other pick that I really stood out to me is um, Indiana at Michigan State. It's an Indiana team that's rolling. Michigan State team that we've seen struggle. They have one win. And it's over the uh, Wolverines in that rivalry game. Michigan's not great. Uh, you can get right now Indiana at minus seven in some places. You know, it's at seven and a half. I would jump on that now if you can, see if you can get it at seven and and lock them up because I think Indiana is going to roll in that game. I don't think Michigan State has the dogs to handle that. And and um, I'm surprised to see that line is as, as low as it is. Um, back to my pick, it looks like we have Cincinnati at minus 26 with a 55 and a half point over under. Cincinnati let us down on the over last week, so we're going to. They didn't stay let away. me down. I took the under. I'm I'm taking just, that under too this week. I'll go ahead yeah. and, and say that I'm taking that under as well. I don't think Eastern Carolina is going to score. I don't think Cincinnati is going to score 55 on their own. And uh, you know, but one the side minus 26 will be riding home to the bank. That's a beautiful Friday night. Scary. Might, I know you, you love get betting another, big lines. You might get another 38 to 10 type game like they did last week against UH. Yeah, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting it to be to look a lot like that U of H game, except Eastern Carolina might actually be worse. Um, might is a definitive worse, which I didn't yeah, think was possible. I don't know. Houston's pretty bad. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. There's this is not an interesting game if you like an interesting week if you like great football games. 
But if you're like us and you like finding picks, especially in weird games, if you like rooting for teams that you've never watched because you have a monetary interest, if you like, you know, finding some weird lines, finding, you know, some some money making opportunities in this weird COVID year, I think this this, you know, is a good weekend to not worry about what the Blue Bloods are doing, not worry about what the college football playoff is doing and worry about how your wallet's doing. And um, we'll obviously have our staff column up on Friday night. I think last week we went over 500 as a group. I went seven and three and the two of y'all went uh, five, four and one for Nick and five and five for Luke. So we're looking okay right now. I'm six games over f- 500 for, for the season. So uh, if you want to follow along as we continue, uh, feel free to check like out that to... Collins pick. We have 10 picks each against the spread for the whole slate. And, uh, you know, that gives you a little idea of what we're thinking. If you want to fade us, if you want to bet us, whatever you want to do, we are uh, just putting it out there for you. And of course, we'll always, you know, be following through on those picks ourselves. I'd like to put in my official watch how this goes for the week. Right now, Arkansas at Florida is plus 17. We're not going to bet them yet. We're going to see how the line works its way through going up to Friday night, Saturday, because Florida coming off a big win, Arkansas not terrible. I mean, a did both. They're, they're a feisty team. So maybe it starts favoring more towards Arkansas plus 20. You might, you might want to give that a little tease. But right now, the plus 17, it's a bit bit dicey. We don't know. It's it's a watch them. We're not uh, going to bet it yet. We're going to think about it. Another thing to, to watch, I know how much you love you love little narratives like this, just like me, when it comes to the games you're going to pick. Uh, Felipe Frank's revenge game, question mark? Mm-hmm. Uh, re- Arkansas quarterback returning to the place he just transferred away from in Florida, a coach that he just transferred away from in Dan Mullen. And the guy who took his job will be playing against him this week. And I think Sam Pittman is a great coach and I am excited about that game. I think that might be the only game that I'm actually interested in watching just for the results itself. Um, Yeah, I would take, I would take Arkansas with the points. I mean, is it, is it in Gainesville? Or is it, so. is it at Arkansas? Let's let's find that real quick. It looks like it is in Gainesville. It is in Gainesville, so that's a little scary. I was going to say if it was at Arkansas, maybe you see a little money line sprinkle there, you know? Get We've your, got get an your over units under looking better. in around the 61 range. Varies by sight. Some 60 and a half, some you get 62 and a half. But I, I think I think take Arkansas with the points there um, just because, I don't know, I obviously Florida's offense is terrifying. I'm not sure if Kyle Pitts is going to be playing. We saw him get concussed in the last game, and so he'll have to clear concussion protocol for him to play. And this offense is a little different without Kyle Pitts. Uh, and the and the Arkansas team, as we've said, they're scrappy. They're they're going to fight. And you know they also have a propensity for backdoor covers, even in games that they lose. You know you saw that against AM. They they got outclassed for the whole game and managed to cover a 14 point spread. So. You know, that 17 and a half number, that, I think that's scary, especially if you had that hook on top. You know, if you get that 17 and a half, I think that, that is a great pick, you know, as we move on. And if the line creeps up, you know, I, I think I'm definitely going to take that. Any more, any more interesting games for you all this weekend? We've got a tickler as well. We've got, again, we're going to see how this goes throughout the week. Maryland, Ohio State, over 70 and a half. We're going to think about that one. Yeah, no, I. <sighs> That's an interesting one. Maryland's only good that on offense. Ohio State. It is a high number. 
we're going to, we're going to think about it through the week. We're going to see how the line goes. We're not going to commit. We're just going to watch and we're going to think about it. I, if that creeps down at all, I, I would, I would take it. Um, if we it get was like mid sixties, mid sixties, beautiful yeah. spot to be in. Yeah, seventies, seventies, a little scary. I, honestly, though, knowing both of us, will probably end up taking it either way. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think this is a very interesting, interesting weekend. I think it's a great weekend if you like betting, if you like making picks, and uh, like I said, we'll have that staff column up with our ten picks each on Friday night, so you can look at that going into Saturday's slate. Oh, me? Okay. One storyline that I've found is Adidas is looking into selling Reebok. However, the buyer would have to take on Allen Iverson's $32 million lump sum for his original signing with Reebok on Allen Iverson's 55th birthday in 2030. That's a little <laughs> interesting storyline I found. Very, very interesting storyline. Not a gambling take, but... But if you're interested in in sports business, that is very interesting. I don't know. Um, Reebok's Reebok's weird. It's it's one of those brands that I, I feel like I never seen anyone wearing Reebok. I, just, I did I not know Adidas owned them. So we'll see if anybody picks them up. Uh, I would be surprised to see that, especially with that lump sum hanging over them for the answer, of course. And everyone knows how Island Iverson maybe not the most uh, easy person to to negotiate with. So. That'll be definitely interesting to see. Um, besides that, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, you know, check out the column, the staff column at liveanddiesports.com. This is the Live and Die Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Live and Die Sports Blog. Uh, anything else, boys, before we wrap this up? It's a horrible week for NFL. Um, can't even think of a noteworthy game off the top of my head. Let's see. I, I guess Steelers Bengals be fun to see if Joe Burrow is still competent. I mean, he looks great, but the Steelers are legit, so we'll see how that goes. Other than that, it's a, it's a good week to not watch. You know, maybe visit your family. Have a nice go on brunch. Yeah, have, have have brunch with your girlfriend. Uh, you know, maybe maybe do some work around the house. Uh, whatever the things are that you normally avoid, like the plague on a packed football weekend, this is not one of those. But if you want to keep it interesting, if you want to make picks, if you want to gamble to give yourself a little, you know, excitement in this otherwise boring week, make sure to check out our picks, and we will tell you what we think about all the games in college football. That's it for us at Live and Die Sports Pod. I'm Camden for Nick and Luke. Thank you.